Hey everyone, this is Lance from the band Eris. You are listening to Nick with St. Paul Filmcast. Check out our new single, The Roche Limit, off of our unreleased EP, Formation. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or any music platform you use. And please give Nick the support that he gives us by sharing this podcast to your friends. All right, we're back on the St. Paul Filmcast. I want to thank my friend Lance from the band Eris to begin the product, uh, begin the show. Um, check out his check out his band Eris on Facebook uh, for future shows and his recordings. And I would appreciate him uh, for doing that. I also want to thank Bill Cooper for coming on. Thank you, Bill. I couldn't uh, be more pleased to be here today, Nick. Yeah. You know, asking me to talk about film and acting and scripts and that stuff is yeah. sort of my wheelhouse. So obviously, you know, you listen before before yeah. we start the show. A guest gets to dedicate the episode to anything they like. So, do you have anything in mind you want to dedicate it to? Um, you know what I want to dedicate it to is I wanted to dedicate it to first time filmmakers, and partly because you know I hear a lot of people that are always um, have coming up with film ideas and story ideas, and very few of them get written into a script, and very f- less of them get shot, and less of them get edited, and less of them get made. And so, if you're out there listening and you've made any kind of short film or a feature length film, and you got it done congratulations because for for me i always equate it to giving birth you know it's a lot of work you've got to stick with it you've got to be patient it's a long process and so i i just dedicate it to film artists who work really hard to get this stuff done because it's not easy or everyone would do it no it's not but i like i like that i like that like, all right All right, we are uh, back with Bill Cooper, and I always start with names. I have a little bit of interest in names that everybody gets that comes on. Okay. And I think you have a very fascinating being, because that's about as British as you can get. Oh, British name. and basic, I think. Do you yeah. think I have an interesting name? I guess I always, actually, as I got into the business, I was yeah. thinking about changing it, so it was more interesting when people are like, oh, it's kind of a powerful name. and Like a stage Interesting, name. So yeah, Bill Cooper and stuff. So I like it, and you're absolutely right, Cooper. Barrel maker, English. I'm half English, half German. What? Are the, yeah. What? Are the, I was going to bring up German because yeah. one of the British and German they love to put their profession as their last name. Oh, completely. Yeah, yeah, like Cooper. Yeah. Com- what, what's your job? Well, Black. We used to be sort of short for blacksmith and different things. Yeah. Oh yeah, cobbler. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm kind of actually the from the what my families or descendants are from the Welsh part of England and different things. My mom was actually Irish, but there's some German okay. in there, and I look very German, and so. Did yeah. You, did you ever do the ancestry thing? No, the I DNA? haven't. I haven't. I I would should consider it though, just to kind of figure out what's out there. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I yeah. think so too. I mean, I think it's always fun to find out where we're from, even if we sort of maybe know. Um, I have a very biological family, so I do know lots about my family. But there's also other things you hear things too. It's like, oh, you used to, you know be horse thieves or you used to have slaves or used to this like it's like well maybe maybe I should check out what's all going on there I think well because your name is so common yes that's it what's is the fascination about it is as you ever run it accidentally run to somebody oh to I you know it's much like when I first got my website years ago okay. you know probably 10 12 years ago for sure you know bill cooper dot 
uh, org.com, those were all taken. So Bill Cooper is a pretty common, and mm-hmm. I've run into other Bill Coopers. Um, by, just by non-intentional. Non-intentionally. In an elevator one time, some guy was at a convention and his name was Bill Cooper. And well, you got- <laughs> Yeah, you're kind of like, hey, I'm Bill Cooper. No, I'm Bill Cooper kind of That's thing. Right. So I thought that was really funny. But yeah. I, the other thing, getting into an acting thing here really quick, I was yeah. talking with one of my acting classes recently and um, I just got cast in a in a project and my name was Al, you know? And I was like, man, I want... And again, I'm not a, trying not to offend anybody with the name Al or a common name, but I was like, man, I just, you know, some people, you know, they're there, Sean and Trevor and Derek and all these fun names. Right. And I get Al, Jerry, Bill, Fred. So yeah. I don't know. Um, I, I wear it proudly and I'm actually a junior. You know, my dad's, he's deceased, but my dad's name was William Cooper, Bill Cooper. So, so actually, I go by Billy a lot. My even oh, as, really, even in fact, like people close to you, people of, close to me call me Billy, especially my family, because it was always my dad was Bill and I was Billy. So again, my fifty-year-old sister talking to her sixty-four-year-old brother, <laughs> she <laughs> says, "Billy's Billy's arrived." You know, it's kind of <laughs> right. we're always like that, I guess, to our family. So. When you get roles, you always kind of look for the names. No, I just want a good role. You just that's want a go, yeah. good role with an emotional roller coaster that's going to be fun to shoot and be right. respectful of actors and everybody involved. And I'm a I'm a big team player. So, and if it's something I haven't done before, a couple of years ago, somebody said, "Oh, I want to offer you this role in this feature length horror film." And I don't do a lot of horrors, partly because I don't watch a lot of horrors. Right. But um, I got to levitate and be suicidal and all this kind of stuff. And I thought, oh, this is going to be really fun. So you, you got a little more depth than you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think I think actors, I think we all look for yeah. for fun emotional journeys, you know, flushed out characters. I think we're all drawn, um, and again, drawing to films partly because, you know, they're really long extended stories. And if you have a relatively large part or even a supporting part, you really can tap into your happiness, your sadness, fear, anger, love. You can tap into a lot of things. If you, I do a lot of commercials as well. Yeah. And you kind of hang out in a happy, loving place and they're not, just don't have the depth. You do get paid well. So film work, yeah. some television work, um, that's always tends to be, it feeds us a little more as actors, but we love it all. And I should say, feed us as actors. Again, I just got done with a big commercial and I get a nice paycheck and that does feed me, but I'm just saying feed, feeding my craft. Right, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. feeding my craft. So, I mean, you, you've had a long long experience doing films because you've done stage yep. as well as films. Yep. yep. And so you kind of do a little bit of balance of both. You kind of... Well, uh, you know, I think most of us find a variety of... Um, I always think of the talent business in general from an right. actor standpoint is really multifaceted because, you know, you can act on stage and a lot of times when I meet people and they say, well, what do you do? And I say, well, I'm actually an actor and a filmmaker is sort of how I say it. And they go, oh... Um, where do you act? You know, they, they, like where? Yeah, yeah, like so. Where do you act? Yeah. They kind of think I'm supposed to say the Guthrie or the Chan Hassan or yeah, you know, Prumper right. Theater or something. And I say, well, actually, I act wherever they pay me to act. Um, but for many of us, especially those of us that are a little older, you know, there there weren't there weren't videos around when we were kids. There weren't, you know, there was, you know, my I had an aunt with a little. Camcorder, little like, well, not yeah. even a camcorder, like a little sixteen millimeter movie camera. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. And and so this, so I of course started out in theater because it's what was done. I was singing and dancing and did 
you know, dinner theater and stuff. And at the same time, you kind of get an agent and all of a sudden, oh, there's these commercials. Oh, there's these film things. There's these other stuff. And so I really have spent the vast, vast majority of my time in the last 20 years just really working on on-camera stuff, on-camera commercials, television shows, training videos, and and a handful and some films, probably forty films. Right, I was going to bring it up. Event you actually do a class as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you know, fifteen, probably fifteen years ago or so, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen years ago, okay. uh, an acting friend of mine who was doing some teaching at the time, she said, "I think you'd make a really good teacher, and I, I need somebody to sub for me." And she was teaching actually at a school, and would you be willing to do it? And I was like, "Yeah, I'll pitch in for you." And pretty soon the school was like, "Oh, can you want to teach?" And I did a few of my own classes, and I decided I really wanted to have more control over my classes and what was taught and how it was done and so I just kind of started teaching up to that point I had really um you know I, yeah. people would ask a lot of questions I'd say well let's go out for coffee or let's go out for drinks and I'll tell you about the <laughs> business or, yeah. yeah and it's kind of like you know what if it's just easier to do it with a group there's a need I think um, myself and and trust me there's there's a handful of us that are really good what I would say really credible good teachers in town and I say that because what I like about myself or Cynthia Urich or um, Ash Webb or Ellie, uh, Ellie Drews or I can t- Michelle uh, Hutchins, we, we yeah. all are actors. We're working actors. We've worked yeah. on things. We continue to work and we pirate a little of our time to help move other people forward. And I think I, I get a lot of satisfaction out of it. And I, I have so much praise for my colleagues that also help teach. Uh, do you still go to L.A.? Yeah, I just got back actually last week. Um, I had a couple of small business meetings and then I sort of reconnected with, you know, I have about uh, for sure 30 former acting students that live and work out there now. And oh, so you it's still keep kind of contact. Yeah. Them. Oh, many yeah. of them I keep very close contact with. And some nice. of them have been out there for a dozen years or so. Um, and I don't go out there to check up on them or anything, but <laughs> I, I like to reconnect and right. I know I, I, I can't speak for them, but I get the feeling that they appreciate reconnecting because what I typically do when I go out to Los Angeles and I'll be back in June as well um, for some business things but um, when I go to LA I typically go okay I'm going to do this happy hour I'm going to do this brunch okay, and then I just let all the people I know there that that's what I'm doing and then it becomes a little, my little get-togethers are sort of networking things. And so it's not just me talking with one person. I kind of get to catch up with people and then they can kind of talk to each other. Or many times, even this, I saw about 18 of my students just over the last week I was there. Um, The people were re-meeting people they had met back here in Minnesota and now they were seeing them for the, oh oh, yeah. And so I I always just think, I don't know, there's, I think a lot of Midwestern people or Minnesota people in particular out there kind of miss Minnesota. I think they miss the the livability and there's a LA there's a certain craziness about it. It's a very much a beehive, you know, and and everybody's push 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 and right. I think when they meet other Minnesotans it kind of gives them just a little like okay, you know, somebody who knows what a hot dish is, somebody who knows, you know, Midwest sensibilities and somebody I can automatically trust and stuff. So Right. I don't really want to, I don't want to say it's like a, a relaxation because people are very committed and do oh, a lot completely. of work here. It's very competitive. Very competitive and they do a lot of great work around here, but there is a simple di- difference here working in film in Twin Cities. I, I actually, I would agree and I, I think part of it is, again, you have to put on just a, you have to see the whole community with a different lens when you go to Los Angeles because, you know, the entertainment business is 
huge business there. It is the business right. there. Right, that is it. It right. is the business. When right. you sit at at a coffee shop and you look around, there's people reading scripts, there's people looking at headshots, there's people, you know, there's right. people that obviously look like they're sort of having some my sort of interview. My sister-in-law moved to L.A. She yes. had a job in L.A. And I go, are you going to be in the movie business? No. The why the hell are you going to LA? Yeah, what's yeah, what? But uh, but again, you know, kids need education, and you need somebody to work at the restaurants. I right. mean, there's obviously other businesses, but to there, you know, it's like here in Minnesota, you know, weather leads the news a lot because the weather a storm or a snowstorm and stuff. Yeah. Out in Los Angeles, it's sort of like oh, principal talent mergers with Amazon. You know, it, it's it's film business entertainment. It's, the, right. it's because it's such a big part of their economy. Just like the weather is with Com- us. With the weather is with us. So. Um, um, so you have to just look at it just like so many people are involved out there and and there's more work out there, but there's more people looking for that kind of work. And so I think some of the, um, I think people get worn out. People don't want you to shoot in their neighborhoods in Los Angeles because it's right. a pain in the ass. Around here, oh, you want to shoot my neighborhood? Yeah, come on to my house. Yeah. Come on to my house. I'll make you. I'll, I'll probably feed yeah, you. Yeah, you want some? Here's some apple crisp. You know, <laughs> my grandma you know, would do that. Yeah, you want to do, yeah, completely. We need some people. Come on, let's be in the background. <laughs> I don't think it always is like that, and it maybe I'm yeah. sure people have had a variety of experiences in making films, but I just think it's it's exciting and and fun and. Um, you know, and I, things, and I used to, and I, I brought it up when uh, my previous guest uh, Billy Strop was here. Yep. And I used to do twenty years of officiating yep. for sports, and I did twenty years hard, and I oh, did yeah. everything from college down to third grade. And I and when I did officiating, the first thing I would do, especially with little kids, is I would tell them, "If you're not enjoying it, please don't be here." Oh yeah, completely. Everybody should enjoy. Even when you're losing, you should enjoy. Yep. Because that losing is an outcome, but you should have. This is fun. This is not mm-hmm. life. You know, mm-hmm. we're playing a sport. And it finally dawned on me, coming to the 1923, I'm not enjoying it. If I'm oh, telling other people, yeah. I've been doing it so long, I have I just, I think I'm tired of, I want to do something new from front to front. Yeah, 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 yeah. So just eventually people do get wear out, even though they appreciate that. Oh, completely. Yeah. Well, and that's why I'm a big subscriber of lifelong learning and uh, do things outside of the box continually. Right. You know, if your if your next goal doesn't scare you, it's it's not big enough. You know, and so right, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like I'm I, I'm kind of a calculated risk taker. You know, any of the films I've well, worked I think on or made. And, in, oh yeah, are gamblers. I like. Oh yeah. yeah, I think so. You know, I can. I also think the challenge from an acting standpoint always is if if some people if it's 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 product and it's business you know it's craft right. and business it's like do you have a good product do are you a good actor do they believe you do you have emotional inventory there's like the product side but there's also the business side which of course is auditioning and getting your headshots and developing Constantly relationships pres- with agents yeah. Yourself, yeah and unfortunately a lot of people in the arts in general and trust me i i have so much respect for uh, i'm in the arts and for people who work in the arts but oftentimes they have a solid craft but they're just not good at this auditioning thing or the business side of it and i always look at and i understand it on some level too because you know if you sell insurance and someone doesn't buy your insurance you don't necessarily take it personally I used to be right. a shoe salesman at J.C. Penney's making my way through college. And if, of course, I never thought every single person that walked into the J.C. Penney shoe department would buy a pair of shoes. <laughs> right. But if they didn't, it could be the price. It could be the style. It could be I didn't have the size. But I never took it personally. When you audition, you're, 
you're standing up in front, meeting with a group of people or being very recorded. Open. You're you're, around, yeah. It is your hair, your height, your gender, your ethnicity, your, your waistline, uh, your voice. Everything about you is being scrutinized. Yeah. And you have to really, really have a strong ego and not take things personally and just keep g- getting on that horse time and time again, knowing full well that you'll get a lot of rejection. But you have to just be careful about saying, oh, they didn't like me or I'm bad, you have to just go, I wasn't right for the part that time. It just didn't go my way. And keep moving forward. No, it, you know, I think, I think, and again, some people don't like the, to to dwell on ego and they're like, oh, you know, actors. I've had people say, oh, actors, yeah, they love to look at themselves and they love, they love being the center of attention. I'm like, you know what? You, you just have to have a strong feeling of self, be confident, right. Be comfortable being the center of attention, but also realize that's all part of a team. Um, yeah. You know, we're part of a process and, uh, you know, a, a technical, pro- a creative process that's controlled technically, and you just have to fit into it. And if you're a high maintenance, and I'm not saying there aren't any high maintenance actors out there or people in the business, there's high maintenance directors, there's high maintenance in every business there is. So yeah. it's been an interesting <laughs> journey, but it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> I would I would say yes, it's not, because you're even after you get a part, right? Oh. You're in something. Well, and- you're, you're, you know, you're out in the open with work. You can't hide behind behind the curtain when you're doing stuff. Well, and there's there's no doubt that um, actors tend to be the most visible element of most films. Obviously, right. if it's if it's an animated film, it's a, a voice and stuff, but a person's face, a person's image tends to be why even people go to the movies. It's, you know, they typically, again, some people might say, oh, it's a Scorsese movie or it's a Spike Lee movie. They'll go, yeah. oh, I want to see this. But most of the time they say, oh, Brad Pitt's in it or, you know, so-and-so's in it. Who's in it? That's what they say. You know, have oh, yeah. you seen That's this movie? Next question. Who's, in Who's in it? And so on one hand, unfortunately, it, on one hand, unfortunately, it, I shouldn't say, for, on hand, fortunately, mm-hmm. it gives actors a certain amount of, I don't even want to say power because I don't think it's power, but we we right. we need to recognize that, but also keep it in check. It, it, and the flip side of it, it puts a lot of pressure. You know, it's kind of a pressure right because it thing. says a Martin Scorsese well, film star. You know, well, and right, yeah. and all hell can be breaking loose on a set. Sets sets are sometimes a very chaotic, stressful place because it's starting to rain or. The audio isn't working or somebody didn't show up or the costume doesn't fit or somebody doesn't know their lines. All those things you hope don't happen on a set, but it's a set. It happens. And when push comes to shove, I always think that I need to be the calmest person on the set. Right, I yeah. feel that way when I direct as well. It's like, no matter what, I'm going to stay calm because I don't want it to permeate through all the levels of people. Everybody else set. can be chaotic, but you have. Yeah, if have. I'm, because I can't focus if I'm, if I'm like so distracted by, you just have to get used to, you know, I always talk to actors about, you know, a lot of times what we see in films is, is sort of like through the keyhole. It's like people are having conversations that typically outside people don't hear. Or I like that perception. Oh yeah, yeah. it's like, it's, when you know, oftentimes it's, you're walking by yourself or you're making a meal and you're on the phone. It's like, normally somebody doesn't see this. So you have to just act like nobody's around. Like, you know, (laughs) now does that mean you do crazy things? Mm -hmm. Not necessarily, but you have to, you have to do it with abandoned. You have to do it without thinking about what do I look like? What do I sound like? You have to just pretend you're all by yourself and nobody's watching. Do you still kind of rehearse in front of a mirror? 
No, I actually discourage people from rehearsing in front of the mirror. And really? let me just okay. tell you why. Um, and again, I want people to rehearse. So if they choose to do it in front of the mirror, I would say that's better than nothing. The challenge okay. with a mirror is this. Okay. And, and trust me, I want people to look in the mirror. Let's, <laughs> right, yeah, right, let's, yeah. let's make sure you're Before shaving you properly set, you're right. and yeah. you fixed your hair and stuff. I mean, checking out our image is fine. The challenge is, is you never whether it's on stage or on camera, you never get the sensation of looking in a mirror. And because when you look in a mirror, you're something's communicated back. You yeah. get a visual message. And to me, mirrors are incredibly distracting. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm just looking at bad hair day or I'm, I can't really evaluate it. So you're much, much better off. One of two things. Number one is just, Pick a spot on the wall and make that the person you're talking to. You know, just pick a, a yeah. thermostat or a doorknob or something. Send your energy towards something or record yourself. We now walk around all day long with a the recording phone, right. device, an iPhone or something. When I was first in the business um, and auditioning a lot, as soon as I could afford a VHS camcorder. <laughs> you remember those camcorders that you... Yeah, like, they're, gone, they're yeah, clanky. Yeah, clanky, yeah. and you put the whole VHS tape in right, the side. Yep. I had one of those. But before every single audition, if I had time, I would literally just record myself three, four times, and I would play it, rewind the tape, and play it back and go, oh, I, I shouldn't look down so much. That doesn't look confident, or I'm yeah. blinking too much, or if I slow down, you know. I So I think if you... So I avoid looking in the mirror. I I don't I don't as a person and hygiene kind of stuff. There's more disadvantages to doing. There's I just don't think it helps. Okay. I just think you're much better off just saying them to a pretend person or pretend you're looking to a camera if that's the right. kind of performance it is and and record yourself and just see what it looks like. Can you watch yourself perform? Do I like watching myself? Or? Oh, can can you? Yeah. Oh, completely. Okay. Oh, yeah. I think it's an important part of the learning process. It's interesting as I teach acting. Um, you know, you're kind of working with somebody or working with a class, and they say, "We're okay. We're going to record all these scenes. Then we're going to watch them." And everybody's like, "Oh, oh, we got to watch them." It's like, come on, you know, this is our opportunity right. to really dig deeper into what's working, what might not be working. Because again, a challenge in our business oftentimes is that, and when I say business, I mean acting business for now, is. Like you audition for something and you get the part and you're like, oh, I must be good. You right. don't get the part and you're like, I must suck, you know? Yeah. So these workshop opportunities, some of the best uh, outcomes of them are simply regularly watching yourself and evaluating yourself, much like you talked about being in sports. You know, yeah. they watch game tapes. If they're taking on a certain team, they watch a game tape. We it's used to do that for officiating. Completely. Watch, yourself. So watch yeah. yourself how you do. If if you're a cook and you make a stew, right. don't you taste the stew? <laughs> you know, right. it's like, what? Am, because you have to sort of fix things and stuff. So the point being is, is um, and I have some really awful exercises that I put actors through that make them really comfortable with themselves because we can't be thinking about oh, my roots are showing. Oh, I've gained a little weight. Oh, right. I've got this birthmark underneath my left earlobe. We have to be able to just really look at ourselves and look at ourselves as objectively as we possibly can. So quite frankly, when I see myself on camera, on one hand, I remember my sister after seeing me in a film early in my career, she said, you know, I watched that film and it just seemed like you. And I thought that was the, I really liked that compliment because it meant they, that she wasn't seeing acting. She was just seeing a person performing. Right. So for me, oh, I get used to it. And I oftentimes, I just look at like, who is this middle-aged guy? <laughs> what is he doing? Can, do I buy what he's doing? Right, yes, yeah. 
and even if I'm on set and I'm working with the director, I, I typically don't say, um, should I be perkier or should I slow down? I should say, does it, it, does it seem like this character should slow down or is there, is this guy friendly enough for you? I, it's not that I'm separating myself. I just have learned to just compartmentalize it and move with whatever feedback I get and also know that I have to look at it and give myself feedback. Because again, you know, I'm, I have a big audition session coming up on Tuesday. I'm, I'm auditioning for a film that someone else is making, but they've hired me to help do the auditions. Okay. Well, I know that all 40 actors that I'm bringing in can all do the work. There's yeah. not going to be a question of whether these people are have an emotional inventory, whether they look the age, whether they can do the work. It's just a matter of like, how does it, how does it work out with how the director feels and the yeah, person who worked piece, the story? Yeah, it's like almost like a puzzle that will fit. Completely. Yeah. And a lot of, I mean, and again, I I try to empower actors. Um, you know, as I, I teach a class called Acting for Directors, which is a class for directors who don't want to become actors, but they want to learn more about acting. Okay. And I always remind them, it's like, you know, use your actors. We're a skilled group of people that know how to analyze scripts. We know how to bring emotion to sentences and groups of words and um, with our looks and our gestures and our manners. And we, you know, I always think of films as sort of like somebody comes up with an idea and they write it. And then when they write it, they sort of cast it and then they shoot it and then they edit it. And then each one of these, each one of these sections should, it should all get better. Yeah, I like that. It should all get better. I don't think someone writes a movie, and I think they write it with some, in their head, but as you get more people involved along the way, it should just get better and better and better. And then, and even the film I just got done directing last year that now is, uh, getting, uh, is going to festivals and, and distribution and stuff, I, I just remember finally getting to see it with the good audio and the music, uh, you know, original music, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is now, it is working. Couple scenes, I was I was like, mm, I like the scenes, okay, but they're okay. And they added music to that. And I was like, done. It just put that, you know. To me, you know, a script and shooting a film starts out like making a cake, and then you edit it, and that's putting on frosting, and then you <laughs> like, then you add those special effects, like, like little it. sprinkles, little you know. Sprinkle, right, yeah. If you don't have a solid cake, you're you're you can put all the sprinkles on you want, and it's not going to be great. Um, but if you have a good story and solid production put together. Then, then that frost that thing, bring it all together, yeah. make it look really good, and then sprinkle those few things at the end. And I like that about because that analogy has been stressed, especially in comic book world. How you can have great, beautiful pictures, yes, and great artists working it. Yep. But if the story is oh, just completely, not, yeah. Yep. If we don't connect, but you can all but reverse, you can have a phenomenal story. And he just the artwork doesn't grab anybody. Yeah, you're yeah. not going to sell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it has to be both, really. Well, and it's and Nick, it's one of the things I was just talking about this this morning with someone. Um, I think filmmaking is like the most perfect art form, and I'm not dissing other forms of art. I love. I go to the Guthrie. I love dance. I love visual arts. I love sculpture. I, I love the arts. I'm so I feel so fortunate to work in the arts. But when I think of films, and part of the reason I say this is oftentimes I'm dealing with getting grants and competing with you know um, MRAC, the, the um, um, Minnesota Regional Arts Council okay, for yeah. arts money, yeah. and film is sort of like this second class sort of like off to the corner it's like oh I want to see a dance I want to see a picture I want to blah well you know films films are 
acting and graphics and cinematography right, yeah. and music and it's to me it's like the conglomeration and some films have dance in them and choreography they call it fight choreography um i just to me think it's a perfect art form especially when it's storytelling a good dance has a story a good song has a story yeah if yeah. you look at a sculpture it it should reflect in some sort of feeling you know and so i I just think film is the, the perfect art. It's well, we, we, we talked about it, especially when I took film class, how it started out as a poor man's theater. Oh, completely. It was it was, it was cheap. It, was for, oh. it wasn't for the wealthy people. It was no. for the common people. Oh, yeah. And, they're, and the Lemire brothers yeah. and all this kind of stuff, yeah. these interesting new experiences of seeing a train go by you or, oh, yes, very much fa- so. It had to be just amazing when it started out, of seeing a train or oh, completely. seeing something come at well, you. And, and somebody I, shooting a gun right at the camera and everybody. If they freaked out. Right, yeah. Well, and that's why I have such a strong commitment to working at the Twin Cities Film Fest, which I have now for, we're on our 10th anniversary and I've actually worked for them for two more years, so 12 years. Um, We're trying to just keep that sort of theater, going to a movie in the theater experience alive because there's something that kind of equals everybody out. You're, You're sitting next to someone you potentially don't, I mean, you might go with people you know, but right. you're sitting with a whole group of people that come from all walks of life, it, you know, maybe have some similar interests if you're at a certain type of movie and stuff. But I'm just saying this communal experience. Everybody is, from different backgrounds. Yeah, you're there and, you're, common, yeah. and you're, you're groaning together, you're laughing together, or you're, you're hiding your tears together. I think that's, that's an exciting thing. I ended, I'm like most people though too. I have Netflix and I watch movies at home and, and that kind of stuff. But I still love to sneak into the theater really regularly, especially in the midday and just sit through some, some, can you imagine watching the Avenger on your phone? That no. It isn't, it's, right. it's not going to do it for you. No, and I, I think, well, two years ago, we went to see Raiders of Lost Ark. Yes. I saw it as a little kid, right? Yes. And it's, so I was so young, it does, the, the whole experience is lost to me. I know I did it. I yep. just, so in the back in the theater, I go, when are going to see it again? And my wife was agitated. She goes, you've seen this movie? So why? Oh, yeah. I go, because I have not seen it in a theater. Yep. You need to see this in a theater to get the whole, and it was mm, mm, far better. Than wow. anything on VHS oh, yeah. and television. You know what I did yeah. over for for Christmas this year? Yeah. Um uh my spouse loves Star Wars. And the Minnesota Orchestra had played back the original Star Wars okay. and played the music to it. Oh yeah, as, so, as a live orchestra. Yeah, it, yeah, so it had this the the movie going up on a big screen with all the dialogue and the the sounds wow. of guns and the sounds of the ships and stuff, and then they um the the orchestra played, played the music played the music. It was fantastic. Partly, I mean, that was 1976. I think I saw it originally in the theaters when it first came out. Yeah, I w- I had forgotten many things about that movie, and I I I was emotional. I, it was so fantastic. Yeah. And again, I was reminded of the importance of music and how great that music score was. It's now, you know, it's just nostalgic right. to hear. We've heard this theme over and over. It's like the theme to the Olympics. It's just, anyway, <laughs> I love that stuff. I right. loved that stuff. Do you, you still, I mean, you have to, especially with the film industry, you have to be attuned with music, right? Do you still? Oh, completely. Yeah, um, yeah I wish I would. You know, I, I, I'm not a stay up late kind of person. I would love to go to more concerts and some of that kind of stuff. But, oh, um, I think music is continually being a incredibly important part of 
of films and um, scores. And, um, you know, we know in the early years of film, you know, when film was more of an escape during the depression and let's let's dance and right you know, let's forget about that Buxby and yeah. oh yeah do all the get people want to be happy about it then of course it it sort of changed when when films became much more social commentary and um and different things we, you know back to uh, easy rider and some of those first films that were very natural and stuff so it's changed a little bit but oh my gosh soundtracks to movies now yeah. it, sometimes films are built around that kind of stuff so oh yeah music's important i always remind actors though i teach a film class and uh and I'll, we'll do a scene. We do, all our scenes are from films, and we'll watch. We'll do the scenes. We'll record them, watch them, and then I watch the actual scene from the film. Okay. And people are always like, "Oh yeah, but that's ro- more romantic because there's music behind it, or that's sad. <laughs> that's more sad because it has sad music." But I always remind actors that you still have to. It it it, it sort of reinforces the feelings of the of the scene, but you have to have truthful stuff going on, whether there's music there or not. You know, right. can music make an, a scene more exciting? It actually can, because, you know, music is very universal. Well, I think it's a play tool. I mean, you can have some, like a whole business of stuff going on, but right when you can cut all of it and have a very intense scene and have no music, and that's kind of like the whole music all of a sudden, without it, you, you sense that there's important stuff going on. Oh, yeah. completely. So it's a... Value, very valuable, I think, tool that people kind of neglect when they watch movies. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and I also think overall, and again, I know that some movies have, you know, like they'll have a music montage and they'll have some famous singer singing a song or something. I know there's yeah. times where like, oh, here's the song, here's the music montage. Yeah. And I'm not talking about A Star is Born, which is based on music or, um, uh, which I loved, um, Bohemian Rhapsody based on music. I'm not really talking about that. I'm just talking about a, your day-to-day right, sort of film where Rocky's exercising the reality yeah. is is I think I think music overwhelmingly should be like acting or editing it's like sometimes it's there and we know it's there but it doesn't it doesn't distract it no. it, it just helps pull us through it right you know so sometimes the absence of music makes things makes everybody listen harder yes you know? that's what I was trying to emphasize. yeah, yeah. It, they, we listen harder to certain things um, but the whole sound the whole idea of sound and as we're talking about film here let me tell you i learned early on and as a filmmaker in particular the importance of having good audio good audio men and women working on films because i actually think audio people are the least forgiving of audio i think we we're kind of getting used to youtube videos and iphones and we can put up with sort of Oh, Subpar. Well, yeah. or or you know, if 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 we see a camera refocus a little bit in the middle of a scene, it doesn't bother me. But if you have crackling audio yeah. or tinny audio or audio that doesn't match, um, it makes it makes the whole thing crazy. I would uh, if I could. I yeah, completely. But I was talking about, especially with comic books, um, it kind of relates to grammar. You can have the most wonderful story and great artwork, but if you misspell something, oh, it ruins the entire. Oh, completely. <laughs> You're, you don't. Yeah. I mean, I always think movies overwhelmingly, and I, I think Europeans don't maybe subscribe to this quite as much. And sorry, I'm making broad strokes. Um, we've in this country, we've really programmed or um, got our audiences used to stimulation every three seconds <laughs> well, yeah yeah it yeah. is like there has to be a 
a, a bird or a door slam or a honking horn or a fly buzzing around or a line or a look or a gesture that just keeps us with it. And if it's long sustained stuff where there's nothing happening, right. we tend to get very antsy. Yeah, we, we just you, where are you going? Let's yeah, go. Yeah, like, like okay, let's go. I'm 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 looking to be stimulated. I mean, yeah. which again, I I that's one of the reasons I love movies too because I think for a lot of people it's when people are emotional. You know, yeah. they're they maybe get mad at the traffic or they maybe be excited about a raise or something, but it we're we're sort of locked in this story that just makes us feel. People go people go to the movies to feel. You right. know, and they, they don't come out of a movie and say, oh, this car turned left and then it went in front of the store. And when it went through the store, there's this reflection. And when the person who worked there actually, you know, they're, they're like, that's things. That's that's action. Yeah. Um, we usually go, oh, you should see it. I laughed. I laughed so hard. I sorry. I cried or I I um, made me want to it made it, me want to call my dad, you know, or or um, I, I jumped out of my seat, which I tend to do it. You know, <laughs> the quiet place. I was embarrassed myself. I, it did. It, 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 it worked for you. Oh, my God. Yeah. It, you know, it's it, it's yeah. you, I think I scared the people sitting next to me more than the movie scared them because I, I do a lot of I'm not shy about expressing myself sure but i'm also very conscientious about shared experiences and being appropriate but sometimes stuff (laughs) (laughs) you know it's a little crazy um but again the point and i I always talk to my acting students about this and even talking about filmmakers who go yeah we're gonna do a jib shot and dally down from the tree and then we're gonna rack focus onto the tire and i'm like okay where what are you setting up you know what is it and so um Peter Gruber, who's a big producer out in Los Angeles, I was reading an article, he was interviewed, and he yeah. he used the phrase, I'm in the emotional transportation business. <laughs> I love that. I I love, love don't it. you love that? Yeah, I love it. And I, I probably, you know, Nick, I should have just said, I think I should have just owned that quote, but I've used it dozens of times about just talking about, I'm in the emotional transportation business. I'm here to make people feel. Filmmakers sh- should be looking towards making people feel. Working as a team to, in the end, make people feel. Yes, someone is concerned with the makeup. People are concerned with the sound. People are concerned with color correction. We all, all have the to, technical. We stuff, all have right? to be concerned about doing that. But in the end, if it isn't to make people think and feel, it's just not. You know, years ago, uh, one weekend I had the good fortune of going to two films: one on Saturday, one on Sunday. Uh, it was it was a uh, um, Tom Cruise. Uh, Mission Impossible film, which of okay. course Tom Cruise is extremely successful, a good actor, but you know, swinging on buildings and going through glass windows and all this kind of stuff. And the next day, I went to a girl with a dragon tattoo. Well, overwhelmingly, I loved the girl with dragon tattoo. Right. It was. It was not a simple. It, it was. It had less razzle dazzle, you know, like swinging in big crash scenes and car right. chases and stuff. But it had so much interesting characters and more suspense and i was more worried about simple things were making me oh she's driving back to the he's driving back to his house and she's in there you know it i just felt so much more with the girl with the dragon tattoo than i did with a 007 it just i didn't dislike the movie it just if i go if i get done with the movie and i like i really didn't feel anything then to me and again, all movies are successful on some level because they get made. 
people go sitting there for different reasons but i i like to feel right i like to feel that's why i think that's why we cult classics mm-hmm. i mean people who just love that movie and come watch mm-hmm. it over and mm-hmm. over again mm-hmm. it doesn't get a much scholarly approval or Completely. academic approval and, but there's something about it that people have an emotional connection to that just love the movie Yep. Yeah. Well, and and again, watching. I as an older person, I tend to really th- rethink if I'm going to read something again, read a book again, or watch a movie again because I, I still want new experiences. But I always find, again, Star Wars is a good example or um, whatnot. Uh, you always you watch something more than once. You read something more than once. Um, you always get more out of it, or you can get additional insights and feelings the second time you see stuff so sometimes it's it's i can't i but in my whole life i don't think i've watched more than 10 movies more than once really uh, yeah i tend to i'm <laughs> tend old to man on. i tend i'm old man i gotta i gotta keep new experiences going i don't know right. um uh, but i've i guess i've watched some episodes of stuff over and over again once yeah. in a while i guess so i want to we have um want to get to the, the movie is called Beta fish. Yeah, yeah. And, we talk, and then you directed it. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, if we could, we could talk I, a little I bit. Would, of, I would love to talk about it. Um, okay. You know, um, I worked on Beta Fish because I'm a teacher. Um, okay. This wasn't my story. It wasn't my script. It wasn't my ideas. Uh, an acting student of mine who was, and I think Josh would... I know Josh would agree because he yeah, talks had, like this. Um, Josh yeah. is a previous guest. On yeah, um, Josh talked about, and I don't know if he said it on your podcast because actually that's one I didn't listen to. Uh, I was afraid what he might say about me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he he's he's lucky he had me, man. We made this film in 11 days. Um, but, uh, he was a, a talented actor who went to film school, and he was like, oh, I just don't like some of the scripts floating around. I don't get offered the parts I really want. I was like. You, you have a background in filmmaking. Write your own script. Right, yeah. You know, and about six months later, he said, I got 40 pages done. You want to read it? And I said, I'll read it when you have 80 pages done. You know, get get farther along. Okay. He, We got together and we kind of went over it together and it was a lot of dialogue. And I was like, well, I need some more visuals. And but So we kind of worked on it together, but I, I just want to be very clear that Beta Fish, the name, the characters, all that stuff is is josh's film and i helped him put together a reading when he did some fundraisers and he said well you're going to direct this thing for me aren't you and i said you know josh you can't afford me (laughs) (laughs) and that doesn't mean i'm so expensive but i was just like yeah josh you can't afford me and he said well what would it take and i said and i gave him this figure which wasn't outrageous but it was like hey if i'm i know what it takes you know if you want me to do this this is what it would take financially and he got a hold of me when he had the money and said, I got the money. You'll do it, won't you? And, and I was sort of like, I couldn't say no. Okay. It I sort like of was the like situation. It. Yeah. You know, so I, so that being said, I was glad to do it um, in a sense that, and for me, I have another, my I, uh, my business colleague at Half Apple Films, we bought a script a couple of years ago. We're really trying to get made. And for me, it was like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to work on this smaller project First, to just sort of kind of gear up again because it had been a number of years since I had directed a feature. Okay. Um, so we were glad to do that. But we, you know, we didn't, we only had 20000 We didn't even have $20,000 to make this thing, you know. Uh, and you, it, I, I want to emphasize, you guys shot it in St. Paul here. Yeah, we shot it in mostly in St. Paul. And yeah. part of that is uh, he works over here. We were able to get the support of the um, St. Paul Athletic Club. Yes, um, we a shot a lot there. We yeah. shot at the Schmidt Brewery, Schmidt Artist Lofts. Yeah. Our lead actor. 
director and one of the other people involved in the film both live at this Schmidt Artist Lofts and they have this really great kind of two-story bar yep. uh, warehousey sort of place that we needed for a jazz club. We did stuff at a diner in St. Paul. So St. Yeah, Paul was... I, if I, when I uh, if you're more interested in more of the technical stuff of the movie, our, our, a couple in our, you check out our catalog. We had Judd Nichols on talk about Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, yep, so, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, and, and Judd, again, it's the, the good... Ex- so for us, actually, Judd is getting back in town. He's been out of town for three, four months since he got done editing. Um one of the things that worked out and the reason I just said it I you know I kind of did this as a teacher is because you know without a lot of money you really have to call in a lot of favors and for me part of the favors were for instance finding 60 background people to be in some of the bigger scenes and offering them IMDB credits and I just went to my students and said hey do you want some credits nice might be a long day it might be a short day this is what you got to do there's no pay we'll feed you so you kind of do that and I would yeah. also say Judd Nichols of course um, who's a close friend of Josh's, very creative young guy, um, lawyer by trade. Um, he'd never done a feature before. He'd never shot a feature. He'd never edited a feature. In fact, he hadn't planned on editing, but that's the way it worked out. And um, I do know that there was a pretty big learning curve for him too, because going 11 days, I think we had went 12 days with only one day off. Um, for a lot of people, that's that's a marathon. It's very hard. You have to stay committed yeah you can't get done with a long day and then go oh great i can sleep in tomorrow you're you're back hitting the road now we also were very careful about we only had two days that went over 12 hours and the rest of the days were reasonably eight to ten hours it's i'll I'll put the link for the trailer i think josh has a trailer on youtube i'll put the link on there so if anybody oh fantastic that's great and we have a new poster um maybe i can email you the poster if you want as well which we just got done over the last couple months richard looper song who i've worked with a lot over the years did our trailer he's also an editor filmmaker as well so uh josh who uh edited it in the end again we got done not josh judd Judd, Uh, we kind of got done and we didn't quite have everything solidified like who's going to edit and we're like do you want to do this Judd this is how much we'll pay you you kind of know the footage you know the story um, and so we agreed to do it which we were pleased about Dext um, Barstad who did the music young guy 22 years old this kid He's just right. We're at both at the age we could call. Yeah, him a kid. A kid. <laughs> this kid. He was a kid. He he did. I didn't even meet him until he. I had listened to some of his music and Judd got this guy to do this music for not that much money, and he was fantastic. Just he'd had, he had even as a young person. He's just like he knew film history and he brought up a lot of ideas and he was like, well, we should go. Blah, blah, blah. He just brought this thing to life. Um, so there, for in some respects, it was a lot of firsts. People that had, had not done, you know, yeah. Megan Mack had never had one, a major role in a feature length film before. You know, it was just fun to have, give people some really fun opportunities. I think one of the fascinating, and I don't do films personally, I'm just an advocate for the, the, the whole media yep. and everything. I think one of the fascinating thing is when you work in film, you work with everybody and it's, I think you get impressed of how creative people can be. Oh, completely. And you're around 20 or 30 people and they're all just wonderfully creative and just, oh. and sometimes you'd have to step back and go, this is actually pretty cool to how, where everybody can come from and get all this product made. Yeah, I I do know that I, I was working with some students a number of years ago and I always encourage students to like as they're getting ramping up in the business or just getting started to like do student films and stuff or you yeah. know do things for free for a while until you sort of are trained and have a certain credibility and you can start charging a little for your work. And uh, one student said, "You know, are all film sets so 
chaotic and unorganized and <laughs> full of tension. And I was like, well, tell me more. Is, is that what you're experiencing? They said, kind of. I've been on three sets and they're all were pretty difficult. And I, my pushback, not, I shouldn't say pushback, but I right. say, you know, when you throw a bunch of people together that has to deal with lots of different moving parts, it sometimes can get tense. It can sometimes get like, okay, how are we doing? An example with Betafish, we, we arranged to have this really beautiful uh, car, this kind of green convertible, you know, right. classic car to do the scene. And the guy said, um, I'm, I'm good. I, you, I can be there for five or six hours. He shows up and said, I got to go in two hours. So all of a sudden, this five hours that you had planned to shoot with this car goes to two hours and you you can't wig out and go, what? Wait, wait, wait. You committed. He was like, I got to get to a funeral or whatever it was. I was like, I took a deep breath. and I said, okay, boom, boom, boom. I got rid of some shots. We can do it this way. Let's do it this way. And we got her figured out. So sets can be a little bit chaotic, but I think you're absolutely right. If people leave their egos at the door and think we're here to do the best job we can with what we have, try to keep in mind what the story is, what we're trying to accomplish... Um, knowing full well there's also a hierarchy in a sense that there's a point where we got we're moving forward or we're moving on or we can't try another yep. thing um, it is collaborative because again but I also am really careful teaching actors like be really careful about hey can I do this should I do that wouldn't it be great if I did this because oftentimes depending on what your part is you, you know we don't we don't have if you got 60 backgrounds standing there I don't I don't need a bunch of input, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, that's a. That's a. That's a sort of a. Yeah. You know. It's like walk from here to here. Do this and this and this. Start a little later. You know. You kind of work with the background and stuff. But when it comes to your main actors, we oftentimes have really heart to heart conversations. Like, are you feeling? What are you feeling? Say, like, I feel a little separated. I think I would be standing a little closer and maybe leaning in. What if I? What if I put my knee up? You know. And you're like, yeah, give it a try. I don't. I. I even as a director, you know, I don't especially if you're directing something that's not yours. I'm I'm just there to create an environment, keep it on schedule and and make something happen, you know? Right, and yeah. and and kind of go from there. When and especially if you don't have tons of time and don't have everything storyboarded out, you kind of have to get in and get her done. done. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I'm doing my book and there's some pages I'm not really impressed with, but we got to move on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, just go ahead. Just, you just do her. Well, going, and yeah. I think everybody, I remember in, in 2004, 2005, I had a short film in the Hollywood Film Festival, which was okay. huge. It was, and it yeah, was Grauman's <laughs> Chinese Theater, and it was fantastic. And the lead actor flew out for it. I had lots of people there. It was very fun. And it got over with, and we were walking out, and he goes, man, when I walked into the house, I should have took more time before I went up the stairs. And I was like, what are you talking about? He said, you know, when I came, I was like, time out. <laughs> we just watched your film <laughs> yeah. at Grauman's Chinese Theater at the Hollywood Film Hollywood Film Festival. Yes. Yeah. And you're worried about a pause you made in the entry. He said, I know it could have been better. I was like, you know, it it's too late. I think every actor, yeah. every director and editor, they can be watching that final film on, and they'll still have things like, oh, I wish I, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have cast somebody different. I wish we all have those things, but yep. there's a time where you have to go done, moving. Yep, it's done. We're moving on. If you keep, otherwise, no one would ever finish anything. That's what I. One of the things I learned being official: you're going to screw up. Yep. Done. We're it's, moving on. This is it. Yeah. Yep. This is it. And yeah. I think the the thing is too. I am always, I'm always reminded, and I had this conversation with Josh. 
I was like, not everybody's going to love this film. Not everybody right, no, loves yeah. every piece of art. Not everybody's going to love every dance. If you if you go to a short block of films where you have six, eight films, it's like a box of, box of chocolates. You're going to like some of them and some of them are like, eh, you know. That's so what I, I, remind, I remind from Andy Warhol that yes. there's so many people that hated my work. Well, I got a reaction out of somebody. Com- completely. Right? Yeah, right. and he did pretty damn well with uh, with his reactions. Yeah. Um, I always think make it for yourself. If at the end of the day you can sit and watch and go, we right. got this done. It looks good. I'm entertained. It I'm sounds proud like Josh has, had a story in his brain that Completely. just needed to get out. To get her it. out. And um, and he was able to to focus. He's got really good performances. And and yes, and we already have salespeople interested in representing the film. Nice. nice. That's, that's crazy, a, man. That's, I know. <laughs> that's crazy. Before even, right. I, it's not yeah. played at one. Fa- I mean, we literally just got it, literally got it done probably less than three weeks ago. Oh, yeah. And you know, we know a couple of people who are like, hey, take a look at it. And they're like, oh, send it to this person. So we'll see that nothing might happen. And in a, to me, it's even a little early. I have like, it's I, always a roller coaster when making a movie, right? Well, yeah. and I, you know, the good thing, and again, I'm not just talking about beta fish, but I think I always think of when you make a film, you dig a hole, financial hole in particular. You know, you either borrow on your credit cards or you get a grant or you, right, you, yeah. you, you take out a I like, loan. I like this, yeah. Yeah, you know, you you somebody, if you have a budget, has come up with the money and they have expectations of never seeing it or getting it repaid at some point. So I always think it would be lovely to make a couple million dollar film, but then I would always feel when I'm done, I've got to repay several million dollars back to some investors. And I'm not afraid of that necessarily. I just know if I'm going to take that on, that that's a big, bigger element than right. if I'm literally self-funding or getting, you know, he uh, in case of Beta Fish, he had about 80 uh, people who donated on a Kickstarter campaign. Which is nice. That's a nice Which is fantastic. Yeah. It's enough to get it going. Um, then there's a couple of us that also invested in the film to get it finished. But Kickstarter is something where the, all those people that donated, they don't, there's no expectation of returning a return on their investment. But if you go and get hundreds of thousands of people or millions of dollars from a person or an entity, there is an ROI. There is, they want to know what their return on their investment is. And if that doesn't happen, you know, you, you're, you're, it's hard. So if you make, so I'm always like, well, make films that make money. And if it, it'll just keep getting better. If you can make films that make money, even if it's a small amount of money, um, you're being successful. So if you, make back $20,000 that you put in the film, you're being, it's a successful business venture. Yeah, as long as you're making money. If I make back $40,000, that means I made 100% 100 return on my investment. That's a pretty good investment. So so that being said, I always think, how big of a hole are you digging? And if you're comfortable with it, move forward. If you're not, then really think about what it is or or find ways of, of, um, there's always ways of, simplifying things or cutting things you know minimize you know think about a location or a couple locations that you're using does it have to be absolutely in a car does it have to be here can't that can't you piggyback that on a porch of a house after something you know it moving moving is a big deal moving a bunch of a big production crew from one place to another is always time consuming and all that kind of stuff because i think everybody thinks about location you're at you filmed in st paul not just St. Paul, but you did variety of locations. Oh, com- and all completely things. different places. Think about security. Oh, because you know, com- you're dealing with a lot of expensive equipment. And all you, that you know, so one of the things is you work with, you know, on uh, micro budgets or low budget kind of films. Um, 
you always go, okay, how you literally look at, you know, how many characters, how many locations? Because oftentimes you can, can something change into a phone call and get the same thing across? Right. Yeah. I like that. You know, um, when I, I have a hard time sometimes reading scripts because when I read them and it's like there's a plane crash or a, a building burns down or like, what are we going to do with that? I just read right. a script that had a, 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 a tractor buried in a river and at one point the tractor comes loose and floats down the river and I'm like how are you going to do that <laughs> you, you know that's going to take up yeah. $30,000 of your budget I think I ruined my dad because the Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight yes. and I told him like 80% of that car chase is all toys yeah toy cars yeah. he's like what yeah 80% of that is yeah. not real it's all toy cars he's like no you ruined it oh completely <laughs> I just it's did a money uh, on it, right. well or yeah. or I uh, I just did a webisode for uh, George Reese as an actor a couple weekends ago and it was really fun because it's uh, it takes place on Mars and I played this president of this Mar- this colony you know um, uh, now Utopia Planitia now I'm really interested yeah. in this. but the, it, it it was so it was epic in a sense that I'm overlooking this Mars landscape and I yeah. say these things and all this kind of stuff but you're in this studio with a bunch of green screens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, there's nothing really Marsy about it. <laughs> it's know. like, it looks there's, green, not red. Yeah. Right. And my feet, there were bags. So I didn't buy, you know, sandbags. So I didn't move too far. So I stayed in focus so that they could change the, I don't know. You just, yeah. you just, you know, I said it earlier, the, you know, films are definitely part of the arts and part of creative endeavors, but so much of it is, Magic. Well, yeah. and you you have to hide mics. It's a technical business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You you have to. Yeah, a lot of decisions are made based on technical things. You know, like where people stand to cover up a something. You know, it, it's a crazy business. It's a crazy business. I don't know how we survive it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bill, I have to say, thanks for coming. This is actually. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we're up for an hour. We did. It did we hour? talk for an hour? We oh did. my gosh. Yeah. Uh, well, I I thank you so much for your uh, support of the film uh, business, and I I know of many people who have had a chance to talk with you, and um, really appreciate everything you do for the community because. Oh, well, thank you. Well, mo- the more we have conversations, the more um, people will learn that the film community in general is very live and well here and we're diligently trying to get more funding from the state to do more snowbait things get more you know bigger films like i was in wilson a couple years ago right um, the, the woody harrelson woody harrelson film over here in st paul yeah uh we, we shot up in highland park area i think uh to get more of those but also just your day in and day out um i know dozen a dozen films that are being made right now in minnesota you know right i I know of documentaries i know i'm casting things you know it's just like a constant so we're we're all working we're part of the arts please support us um buy tickets share with your family and friends and if you don't know where to go just start out with the twin cities film festival oh i appreciate that plug as well it's a the the festival's priority is about a third of all the films that we uh, screen have some minnesota connections we screen things all year long we have educational events as well um a good example and i know this is coming out before the screening it's already sold out so i want to be careful about not plugging it too much but an example is if you've heard of dungeons and dragons yes yes well People don't know, but Dungeons and Dragons, and I say this not because I've played Dungeons and Dragons or participated in it. I we're playing a documentary called Secret Secrets of Blackmore. 
and it's about where Dungeons and Dragons came from, and it actually is all originated here in Minnesota. I think people would be surprised. People don't started, know that. Yeah, 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 people don't know that. You know, there's a group of people back in the '60s. College kids got together and they sort of started this gaming thing, and it's called Secrets of Blackmore. And um, there was some uh, negotiating and conflicts going on between the group, and one group kind of split off and started Dungeons and Dragons and people just don't know that's a Minnesota story. So these Colorado filmmakers followed up on the story, made this two hour doc. And so now our festival is playing it's sold out way before the screening because there's so many people interested. So yes, those are the kind of things we do. Make films, try to get them seen, have fun. All right, Bill, uh, thanks for coming. And thank you uh, for all the information. I think it's kind of, I Having you on, I think I've learned more than anybody. Else. And I actually feel I I I'm, I feel a little more inspired to get back to my book after you coming on. Get her done, you right. know. Get her done. Right. Get her yeah. done for yourself. Get yeah. that monkey off your back, and uh, and right. uh, let me know when it's done. I'll do what I can to help get the word out. So it's not over till the guest says it's over. It's over. <laughs>